1: Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into the LakersNation.com live post game show slash podcast. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane over on Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA. Your Lakers fall to the Phoenix Suns. Maybe not a surprise. I mean, look, this was a game coming in. Once the injury report was out, we found out no LeBron tonight. Then shortly before tip off, it was no Russell Westbrook as well. No Austin Reeves. Of course, no Anthony Davis. Wanted Scott Anderson out. I mean, it just it was pretty clear that the Lakers were going to be in for a long night, and that's exactly what we got here in this game. Final score 130 to 104. The Lakers offense really struggled to get anything going without those guys, with the exception of I mean, you know what Dennis Schroeder turned him turned in a pretty nice performance. 30 points for him, four boards, four assists, twelve of nineteen shooting. You gotta take that, and then Thomas Bryant, 16 points, five boards, one block two of five from deep. So again, you like that. There's six of 12 shooting overall. Lonnie Walker, 16. Kendrick Nunn, 17 points off the bench in 19 minutes. Maybe trying to make a little case for himself to get back into the rotation. But it was pretty clear from the outset that the Lakers, with most of their players out, were just no match for the Phoenix Suns, even without Devin Booker. That's, yeah, Devin Booker did not play in this one for Phoenix. So the Lakers obviously couldn't stand toe-to-toe with the Suns and this game, was just never close Throughout the entirety of it, credit to the guys who were out there that think they played hard. We did see a return from Munyan Gabriel, him finally getting back in the fold. But we knew pretty much what was going to happen in this game, what the outcome was likely going to be. I mean, the betting line, even before, even before it was announced that Russell Westbrook wasn't going to play, was Suns minus 11. And that was without Devin Booker. Suns minus 11, knowing LeBron would be out with that left ankle injury. Of course, we know there's probably some load management that's really at the root of what's going on there. Anthony Davis still out, and um, it's not sounding good. Not sounding good on AD as far as what's really going on. Um, nothing official, nothing confirmed, nothing that we can say, oh, this is definitely what the injury is. It's weird. There's a lot out there that just nobody seems to know exactly what this is, but Everybody seems to agree that it's not going to be good. Whatever's going on with AD, I hope it's wrong. I hope the buzz that's out there is not correct and that somehow you know he's back in three weeks or something like that. That would be fantastic, obviously, but it just doesn't sound like that's how this is going to go. So obviously that's going to have some ramifications for the Lakers on the trade front. Um, what do they do? What are their options? All stuff that we can get into tonight. Of course, we'll talk a bit about this game, but I have a feeling a lot of the questions coming in to the chat are going to talk about a bit more than just this game and what happened. Um, Kyle Hampton says this game was pretty meaningless for both us and them, in my opinion. Hope they're happy with themselves. Yeah, I mean, this was a technically a nationally televised game. It was an NBA TV game, and the Lakers didn't really play most of their guys in there on a second night of a back-to-back. So at that point, it, yeah, there, there's not a lot you can take away from this game and say, okay, here's something we can build around for the future. I mean, we can say, okay, Dennis Schroeder did his thing um, when he had as many shots as he wanted to take, right? Who's going to fault him for, for shooting shots in this kind of a game? Uh, when Gabriel again, getting back in action, that I guess helps a little bit. Did Phoenix really learn? I mean, I guess Chris Paul got into a rhythm. He was fantastic for them tonight. Felt like he couldn't miss. Wound up shooting nine for 18, but it seemed like all of his turnaround jumpers were going in. Eight assists, 28 points for Chris Paul. 21 for Eaton on nine of 11 shooting. Nobody on the Lakers could even come anywhere close to contending with him. Bridges had 20 points on seven of 16 shooting, knocked in some threes for them. Five threes for Damian Lee for 15 points. Like that's the kind of night it was for the Lakers, and so it's hard to say there were any you know big takeaways from what we saw from the Lakers on the floor. Um, most of the conversation I think is going to be about you know what's going on off the floor and what's happening there for the Lakers. Uh, thoughts on LeBron versus Westbrook fans on every post game. It's a little weird that the dynamic, I talked about this a little bit with Keith Smith on the front office show today. It's a weird dynamic when you've got LeBron fans, you've got Westbrook fans, you've got just Lakers team fans, right? All kind of mixing under this umbrella and other subsets of fans as well. And so it creates this, this strange dynamic a little bit where fans of any particular player are constantly trying to deflect blame away from their player and towards the other guys, just kind of by default. Um, And so you have like, like when Russell Westbrook has a good game, you have Russ fans running around saying, see, it's not Russ. It's LeBron's fault. It's this person's fault. And then when Russ has a bad game, it's, it's oh, Russ has got to go. And it's, it's, it's interesting. It's not something that we had even what, 10 years ago, maybe more, maybe a little bit more, since it's become more common to be a fan of a player and not just a fan of a team. So it's kind of changed the nature of fandom a little bit in the NBA. In addition to, it's not even just that, how we consume sports is changing. I talk to more and more people that are, you know, they're not watching a full game. They watch more highlights. They follow the transactions and stuff like that. They're following on social media, seeing that sort of stuff going on. Fandom, just the nature of fandom is starting to change and shift away from just kind of sitting and watching the entire two and a half hour game or whatever. Don't get me wrong. A lot of people still do that. I do that. Obviously I'm going to watch all of the games and, and we do our, our stream on playback um, where we get to come in and, and sit. And that's the other piece, right? Now it's becoming more interactive where people can watch the Lakers nation stream. They could talk directly with us during the game. And um, and we could talk hoops during, during the entire game. Instead of just, you have to sit on the couch and listen to the announcers talk to you and, and you can't interact with them. You can't say anything back. So, Fandom, sports fandom is changing as technology has changed, as human behavior has changed, as I think our attention span has changed as we're getting into more more and more short form stuff. So all of these things certainly matter and change the way that fans approach the NBA. And and a piece to that is player only fans versus team fans and how that all kind of plays out within each kind of subculture that is the fandom of each individual NBA team. So um, that's a much bigger topic than I want to dive into on this show. This would take, I mean, many shows to really, you know, get into the meat of that kind of, kind of a topic, but interesting nonetheless. And we do see this within the Lakers fan base right now because you've got LeBron, because you've got Russ um, who are very polarizing players and have their own very uh, passionate fans. All right, let's see what else we've got going on here. Mamba Mentality said, Dennis scored 30. If there were four Dennis's in today's game, that would be 120. Now five, you'd win that game. Yeah, I I mean, if four players on the Lakers scored 30 points, yeah, I suppose you're you're still losing. But look, Dennis, I thought Dennis was good. Um, Dennis approached this game. It felt like he approached it as though this was his chance to kind of show what he can do, right? He doesn't have that. These are guilt-free shots in this game, right? You can't, you're not going to feel guilty shooting because who else is going to shoot, right? Dennis Schroeder shooting a three, In a normal situation, if he shoots a three with 10 seconds on the clock, the thought is, well, is that really the shot that you want to take or do you want to work something in to Anthony Davis? Do you want to work something into LeBron? Do you want to try to get a better look? In this game, fire away, right? Nobody else is going to be a shot creator. Nobody else is going to be necessarily a shot maker. So Dennis Schroeder got to really go out, push down on the gas pedal, and show his stuff, and he was fine in this game. Not to say he was the best player ever or anything, but again, drop 30 points on efficient shooting, give him credit. He took advantage of the opportunity, even knowing that you're probably not going to win the game, but he can go out there and prove that hey, when given the opportunity, he can be productive and he can do some stuff for you. Uh, Estevan said the 2023 free agent class looks awful. The Lakers need to trade to improve the roster for now in the future. So Estevan, I'm not in, in disagreement with that. In terms of looking at the free agent class for this this coming year, there are some players who are out there. You want to talk about, like, Kyrie Irving potentially being a target. But there's a lot of other guys that we would have said, oh, go after, say, Andrew Wiggins. Oh, he signed an extension, right? Chris Middleton's not leaving Milwaukee. So it's it's a challenge when you're looking at the free agent class and you see that it's not that deep. But the good thing is, well, actually, it is fairly deep. It's, it's just not that there's not a lot of top-end talent, right? Like, right now, though, Miles Turner will be out there Nikola Vucevic will be out there. Um, you've got an, a, a few players that'll be on the market. Kyle Kuzma will be on the market. But in order to have that cap space, right? Let's say you're going to have 30 million in cap space. Well, what's what's your team look like? Well, it's LeBron, it's AD, it's Max Christie. That's about it, right? Like that's that's your team that you're that you're building from, and you've got about 30 million dollars to do something with. So if you got to pay 23 million, say, to get Kyle Kuzma all right, you have 7 million left over and what, 11 roster spots to fill plus two-way? That's tough. That's, That's not easy. You have the room exception coming up and a few million left over. And that's one of the challenges too. When we look at building out this roster, that's why you typically see a team, if you've got multiple max level players, right? LeBron, AD, even if it's a third max level player, What teams like that do is they tend to re-up their own guys because if they lose those guys, they're still not going to have enough cap space to go and replace them, not to mention whether or not there's actually players on the market to replace them with. And so that's the challenge that the Lakers have is if you don't make a trade right now, well, what? who are you going to go get on the market that's going to be worth what you're going to pay in order to get them? And then once you do that, what does the rest of your roster look like? Aren't you putting yourself in the same position you are right now where you're gonna have like three guys, four guys, and then the rest of your team is veteran minimums out of necessity because LeBron and AD are taking up so much space? That's why bird rights matter so much in the NBA. Because once you get your stars, it's really hard to go out there on the market and acquire players, even if you do drop a little bit below the the cap line, because you're never gonna be far enough below to really like it's not like they're gonna have 50 million to go spend in cap space. You're just not going to have that when you have LeBron and AD on your roster. So that's a big challenge facing the Lakers. And it's why I think that Esteban is right, that you have to factor this into your decision-making here. If you can do essentially your free agent shopping right now and go get guys that are future pieces. You talk about it, like Kyle Kuzma could be, maybe Yaka Pertle could be, uh, he's another person who can be a free agent in the summer though. You go get a few guys get them on the trade market right now and you can effectively do your free agent shopping in the present just by saying, Hey, you know what? You've got, I don't know, Buddy Heald, right? Indiana, you guys don't really want to pay Buddy Heald next year. We wouldn't mind having him. We're going to take him on. And then you kind of do your free agent shopping now and you take up say 20 million of cap space for next year. Now you can argue Buddy Heald isn't the the player that you'd want to sacrifice cap space for. It's just an example, but That would be the thought process behind going and getting somebody right now, because if you can get that player right now, then you get them in house and you don't have to worry about being a landing spot in free agency. because you never know. You never know in free agency. Maybe in free agency, you say, you know what? We'd love to get one of these five guys. You have a list. You have five guys. And you say, we'd love to get one of those guys. What if you don't get any of them? Then what do you do with all that cap space? And you've got LeBron and you've got AD. That becomes a challenge. So, getting somebody now and using your cap space now essentially by taking on a long-term contract i'm not opposed to that at all and i don't think the lakers should be opposed to that the question becomes what's the price what do you have to give up in order to get that player right now and add them to your roster rather than do your spending in the summer for some teams the price might be nothing it might just be hey you know what if you'll take this player off i mean look If the Lakers said, hey, give us Evan Fournier for a couple of expiring contracts, Patrick Beverly and Kendrick Nunn, I'm sure the Knicks would leap at that chance, right? The Lakers would be adding a piece that would be taking up cap space for next year. But if you're the Lakers, you say, well, that's that's not really enough for us to burn that cap space. Some teams will be willing to part with players just for future flexibility, just because the Lakers are taking on the remaining years of their contract. Other teams won't. Other teams will say, oh, well. If you want Miles Turner, and I don't even know that Miles Turner is on the market anymore, but if you want him, it's going to take future draft capital, not just clearing up cap space for us. We can get that anyway. Um, Bradley Beal, right? Who's actually under contract for a while, enough to where some teams might even look at him and say, "Man, eh, we're not that interested in Bradley Beal because of how much money is owed to him over the life of this contract. There are, there would still want stuff coming back. Is it worth Russell Westbrook? both first round picks to get Bradley Beal and be the team that's going to pay him however many million it's at right now. I'd have to go and look. I want to say it's like almost 200 million over the next four years. Do you want to be that team? So these are all things that the Lakers have to figure out this summer. But ultimately, just to to bring us back to where we started. Yeah, I don't think there's that one guy in this free agent class that where you say, you know what, things are tough right now man, look at the cap space the Lakers are going to have. And if they can get that guy, everything's going to be great. I don't think that guy is out there on the market, nor would that player be available for the 30-ish million that the Lakers will have to spend. So assuming that just cap space next summer is going to get the job done is, I think, a foolish task, uh, is a foolish thought. But there's more than just signing players that you can do with cap space, right? You can absorb contracts. You're also going to have next summer three first round picks to trade. You're going to have most likely the Pelicans pick wherever that lands. And you're going to have the 2027 and 2029 picks that Pelicans pick again, assuming that's what it is. Uh, there'll be a pick swap there. As soon as that's a player and not a pick, they can trade it doesn't fall into the Stepian rule once it's a player and not a pick. So you could trade that on draft night. So you could have three first round picks plus cap room to absorb salary. If you're the Lakers. That's got some kind of value. That's some kind of pull, right? That's not nothing. So again, it's weighing. What are you better off doing? Is it making a deal right now? And by the way, I think that well, I talked to Keith about this today on the front office show. I think that opposing teams are going to try to fleece the Lakers. They're going to take the Anthony Davis situation. They're going to try to hold that against LA. Um, they're going to use that to try to get um, the Lakers to overpay to do something. So is it better to do something right now in that environment, or is it better to wait and keep your fingers crossed and hope you can can negotiate something um, on draft night? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Somebody said you should have took the night off tonight, Trevor. We don't take nights off around here. There's no load management in these parts, right? Uh, I may... Have some people fill in for me, but Lakers Nation will always always be here. We'll be covering the games and everything like that, even if it gets ugly. Look, the the post game show started started I mean, one of the, one of the worst seasons ever. During one of the re- rebuilding seasons, when we were just talking about, hey, hey, Brandon Ingram put up 18 tonight. They only lost by 25. It's not so bad, right? We're gonna be here through thick and thin, rain or shine. We're gonna be here. Maddie James. Teams, as a Lakers fan, I hate the most. Number one, the Celtics. Two, this damn Suns team. I really want a revenge game when we have our guys. Hate losing to this team especially. That's interesting. I think most Lakers fans would say, number one is either Celtics or Clippers, and number two is the other one. And then the Suns might be third in terms of hatred, right? Um, And that might even be pushing it. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think that... This Suns team, this particular iteration of the Suns, has become a little bit more annoying to Lakers fans because they're kind of loud and obnoxious. and um, They kind of have that front-running mentality a little bit where you see them where when things are going well, they're getting really fired up and everything. and But then when the going gets tough, they kind of just fade away. I mean, we saw that against the Mavs in Game 7. Like, Game 7 at home, and the Suns didn't bother showing up. They they did it. It just completely collapsed. Just said... Nah, we don't want to continue in the playoffs. We're going to go home. Um, All of that makes this Suns team maybe a little bit more annoying. Maybe it's there. there's kind of that residual effect from feeling like, well, the Lakers, in theory, could have made a championship run a few years ago when AD got hurt in the first round against the Suns. The Lakers had the Suns on the ropes. The Suns had no answer for Anthony Davis. AD goes down and suddenly the Suns go ahead and win the game and they advance to the finals. They don't win in the finals. But... Looking back, you know, and this thought occurred to me as the game was going on. I'm like, the champion that year may have swung with that Anthony Davis uh, groin injury because the Lakers looked like they were rolling, and that was a good Lakers team uh, with Marcus Allen. You know, they had a really good defense, they had a shot at it. Um, that look, you're not going to get there with. KCP shooting, what he shot like seventeen percent from three or something, or maybe it was twenty one percent. And Kyle Kuzma seventeen percent, something like that. The Lakers shot horribly in that series. Um, and it was not good, but nonetheless, that team was talented enough to potentially get to the finals. Then you get there, who knows? So maybe some residual anger from that is also factoring into Lakers fans now feeling some kind of way about the Suns. For years, it's been the Suns hate the Lakers. Suns fans hate the Lakers with a passion. Like they always get up for that game because they just hate the Lakers completely. and Lakers fans are like, "What? who's the Suns?" Like, like that's not, it's not really a rivalry, right? Um, the same is true of Portland. Portland fans hate the Lakers. Lakers don't really care about Portland. Um, same thing with the Spurs and a number of different teams, but for the Lakers, for Lakers fans, it tends to be the Celtics and the Clippers are the two teams, but the Suns are definitely creeping up there where I'm seeing more and more fans that are not happy with, the Suns and wanting to, to beat them. So understand where Maddie's coming from here. Love Lamar said master lock CP three for stat padding up 25. That was probably my plan. You know, Chris Paul staying in the game as late as he did was a bit strange, um, especially since he's dealt with injuries, but he just kept firing away. And this whole Suns team did, you know, that thought occurred to me early on in the game too. Within the first couple of minutes, I went, this Suns team isn't the kind of team that is going to, um, some teams, when they see an opposing side's star is not there, or stars in this case are not out there, they'll take their foot off the gas and they won't play to their best of their ability or whatever. I'm like, eh, but they, not this Suns team. This is a team that wants to run the score up so they can, you know, puff out their chest and, and all that sort of stuff. That's more of the mentality of this Suns team. So they've got an opportunity to do that. They're going to take it, particularly against a Lakers team that their hometown crowd is going to be really loud about they're going to be really upset about they're going to be you know egging them on and fueling them so of course the Suns went out there and did what they could to kind of run up the score and and feel good i'm not look they they did what they should do they won the game they won it won it handily but nonetheless yeah chris paul played a lot of minutes for a game that was already over um playing with fire with putting a guy out there who's injured or has a history of injuries
0: we're driven by the search for better
1: Maddie James, Trev, did you ever watch the Redeem Team doc? What were your thoughts? I did watch it. Uh, It was amazing. Uh, I loved seeing it. It was was fantastic. I loved all the the behind-the-scenes stuff, particularly with Kobe. And you look at what Kobe did defensively on that team when he just said, you know what? Like, we've got all these scores. We've got LeBron. We've got Carmelo, right? We've got these guys who could score the basketball. Dwayne Wade. I'm going to be the stopper. I know I I score a ton of points in the NBA, but on this team, what we need is we need somebody who's going to get stops. I'm going to set the tone defensively that's what Kobe did. And he was a monster at it. It's why, you know, I said for a long time, there were, there were stretches of games, particularly in the Mike D'Antoni, Tony era, where Kobe would start passing the ball a lot, where he would act a lot more like a point guard than a shooting guard. And he effectively was kind of the point guard in the Lakers offense for, for years, but there was a stretch where Kobe averaged double figure assists. And I want to say he did it for like 10 games or something and maybe even more, but, Kobe was just, I mean, he was just dropping dimes all over the place and I, I couldn't help but feel, you know, Kobe grew up idolizing Michael Jordan, right? So he patterns his game after Michael Jordan. And you could see that in so many different areas of Kobe's game, just even the way he moves and the way he shoots and you know, it's so much Jordan in his game. And I thought, you know what? There's, there's an alternate universe out there somewhere, right? There's uh, a, you know, somewhere in the multiverse, Where there's a Kobe who grew up patterning his game after Magic Johnson, and he's probably just as successful. And that's a testament to how skilled and how talented Kobe was. If Kobe wanted to be a past first player, he would have been one of the best past first players in the NBA, right? If he wants to be a scorer, he's going to be one of the best scorers in the NBA. If he wanted to be a lockdown defender um, and just focus completely on the defensive side of the ball, he would be the best in the NBA at it, right? I mean, just insanely talented and so driven to the point where if that was the particular skill that he was focused on and locked in on, he was just going to be one of the best. And you saw where he flips the switch with the redeem team to, Hey, I'm going to be this insane defender now. And he always was a good defender, right? He was always great. He was making all defensive teams and all that. But he says, you know what? I'm going to be, the, I'm going to be the lockdown guy for this team. I'm going to be the guy who sets the tone and he just does it as though he does it every single day absolutely incredible and can't give him enough credit um that was that was a great documentary if you haven't seen it go go check that out. i know it's been out for a few months now but check that one out if you haven't seen it maddie james also said with this random injury plague being as contagious as covid for this team do you make a trade now to help get this team to win and stay competitive till our guys return so here's the question here's really the question for for the lakers it's um what are you looking for in a trade now? Let's say that Anthony Davis is out for an extended period of time, right? Let's say that he's out for an extended period of time. Let's say it's, and this fits with, you know, what I'm, what I've heard is that it's not, not like four weeks is kind of an optimistic thing. And we'll see again, nobody seems to know what the injury actually is, but let's say that it's two months, three months, doesn't that change the parameters of what you're looking for in a trade? Doesn't it have to? If you have Anthony Davis, you're talking about a Patrick Beverly, Kendrick Nunn deal just to put you over the top, right? Just give me, go find a wing who can shoot. Maybe it's, you know, Pat Bev and Kendrick Nunn. And ultimately you hash things out with the Pistons and it's, I don't know, a top eight protected pick or something, right? And you go get Boyan Bogdanovich. Now I know the Pistons now are saying, well, we're not trading him at all. Maybe that changes by the deadline, but, You go do a more of a minor move. Is that worth it now? If AD is out, if it's two months, if it's three months, is that still worth it to do? Probably not, right? Because now if AD is out for any length of time, it's no longer worth getting a Boyan Bogdanovich, because that's not enough. Now, on the flip side, though, What I mean, Chicago has been terrible. What if, and a lot of teams are watching them. What if Chicago suddenly says, "You know what? All right, yeah, we're going to move on. This season, we don't have it. Lonzo's progression isn't coming along like we thought. Um, Demar Derozan, Nikola Vucevic, we're going to put them on the market. If you could get both of those guys, does that get you at least back into the mix while you're waiting for AD to return? It could. It could, you probably, that's probably enough firepower to get you back into the mix. Whereas before, before the AD injury, we would have said, well, are you going to play Vucevic and AD together? You probably can, but is it ideal? Is if Vuce Vuce is playing 30 minutes a night, then you've got, you know, AD is only playing 18 minutes at the center position and he's been so good there. Do you really want that? Uh, How does DeMar DeRozan fit? And, you know, all of those things you could say, well, the talent was there, but is the fit enough now? It's just, you got to get the talent. And so what you're looking for in a deal changes quite a bit. If you can get Bogdanovich for a first round pick, I don't know if that's worth it. Why, why are you doing that when most likely you're not making a run until next year anyway? Not He's not going to propel you to the, the middle of the playoffs. He's not going to propel you to the middle of the table and get you a solid playoff run. So you no longer have the same requirements for a deal. And that's what's now facing the Lakers. They've got to figure out what is it that we really need and has how much has that shifted with the Anthony Davis injury? Darvin Ham said the other night that he doesn't think it's changed much because teams are always going to continue to try to improve. And that's true. The Lakers are going to continue to try to improve. But what they need in order to improve, I think, changes a lot if Anthony Davis is going to miss significant time. Mikey said, when guys are making 44 to 47 million a season, it's hard to hear about soreness as to why they didn't play when they need wins. The league is weak. Yeah. I mean, look, that's, there's some, I understand that sentiment, right? The frustration, especially man, if you were a fan who bought tickets to a game, if you bought tickets to this game, they can have, oh, and we're going to, I'm going to see, I'm going to see LeBron and Russ and AD and Devin Booker, and they're going to be battling. This is going to be fantastic. And then you got this, you'd be pretty upset. Feel like you wasted your money, right? Right. But, but at the same time, teams are doing what they can to try to keep players on the floor, to try to keep players uh, healthy. And that's leading to situations like this, where you have players who sit out the second night of a back-to-back, where you have um, injuries and things that kind of pop up, and you can question how serious is that injury? Is it real? Is it you know? Teams are being more careful as we're learning more and more about the human body and how we respond, how we respond to travel, what injury risks are, and, and things of that nature. So, it's the way things have gone. I understand there's frustration to it. I mean, you go and you look at look at the minutes. Even go look at the minutes that Shaq played per game when he's playing like 40 minutes a night, right? For the Lakers. That's unheard of now to play somebody that many minutes. It's just the the times have changed. And this is just kind of the way, the way that it is. I know we can talk about bang for your buck and how much players are making, but the flip side is you don't want a player who's making that much sitting on the sidelines either. And I know the Lakers are kind of in that situation now with, uh, with AD with Anthony Davis. Uh, senpai says Bev none and a second to New York protected first from New York uh, to Chicago, both first and Russ to Chicago get to Rosen, Busevich, Caruso Fournier Fitwises wise me, but figure it out. So you're giving up Beverly none. A second Russ and both first Bev none and a second to New York and you're getting back Fournier. that's it from new york i think if the if the swap between the lakers and the knicks is fournier and and that's and you're getting him back for beverly and none the knicks should be the side putting in a pick because of fournier's contract for next year but regardless the the basic concept here you're sending out all your stuff and you're getting back to rosa caruso and fournier that's not bad that's definitely a more balanced roster um, you're forgoing cap space anyway. So taking on Fournier for next year, isn't as big of a deal. Um, you bring back our old friend, Alex Caruso, maybe, that probably feels good. And then you're getting boosts and DeRozan in order to give yourself kind of the firepower to compete right now. Um, at least get yourself into the mix in the playoffs so that if, and when AD comes back, then there you go, you're right in the mix there and and you can take off. I don't hate that idea. I don't know that either one of those teams is, are, are doing it, but, um, Oh, I see that the protected first coming from New York, going to Chicago to help Chicago make that move. That makes more sense then. So that's why the Lakers are giving up a second um, to New York there as well. Just trying to add that value there is that New York is getting something back and then they're feeling better about giving up a protected first. Yeah, not, not a terrible idea. Platinum Max, Westbrook, Beverly, Max Christie, 200 protected first for Kuzma, Porzingis and Barton. If I'm the Lakers, I probably, because of Porzingis next year on the deal, I would probably be trying to withhold either Max or one of the firsts if I can. And I would imagine the Wizards would probably want the first over Max Christie, and that's understandable. But I'd probably try to hold out one of those things um, just because of the Porzingis contract being on the books. Kuzma's going to have to be paid this summer. But nonetheless, that's that's some decent firepower that you'd be getting. I don't hate it. I don't hate it, but um, can Porzingis and AD play together long-term? That's that's the question you have to answer. If the answer is no, then this deal is, is dead in the water. It's a no-go for Porzingis. If the answer is yes, you think it can work, then okay. You, you take a look at it and you take a serious look at it. But I don't know that it's 100% a yes that Porzingis and AD work together. They might. They might. I'm more enamored with Miles Turner and what he can give you in terms of rim protection than, than Porzingis, but... Again, Turner, you're going to have to pay. Porzingis has one more year on his deal. Mamba Mentali. Uh, Thought of a perfect trade from yesterday's live. None and a second for Cam. Okay, that's fine. Beverly Jones, JTA and a first for Bogdanovich. Okay, again, I'm okay with that. Sign Whiteside, youth, defense, bet, shooting, and length. The problem, though, is I would say, yeah, that's fine. Prior to AD's injury, if it's post AD's injury, I don't know if this is giving you enough to get in the playoffs. And then what do you, you know, you're trading for a 33 year old Bogdanovich so that maybe he can help you out next year with the playoff run when he's 34. That, I don't know if I, if I, Bogdanovich, if the late, unless the Lakers find out, Hey, AD's back in four weeks. Okay, fine. But if it's two months, three months, I think you need more. I think you need more firepower. James Bell. It's not LeBron's fans blaming Westbrook for bad games. It's everybody else, but Westbrook fans, let's be real. I mean, look, a a lot of people have been on Russell's case and I've been saying, you know, this has been a great uh, change this season for him, for the relationship he's developed with Lakers fans, for having those positive moments that we just didn't see last year. We didn't get those. Um, It was pretty contentious last year. So, I know some of the frustration, too, with Russ isn't about Russ. It's not about Russ. himself. It's about his contract and what that's prevented the team from doing. It's about the fact that, hey, the things that they need also happen to be the things that they traded in order to get Russ. You look, this team needs shooting. This team needs more size on the wing. Oh, hey, KCP, Kyle Kuzma, right? Alex Caruso. I mean, these are all guys that would have helped with what they're doing. So that frustration, which really should be directed at the front office, kind of can get redirected at Russ. I'm not saying that's all of it, but that's part of it. SoCal Golf, no way Braun and AD survive a seven game playoff series playing 40 minutes each. I mean, we've seen them do it, but it's fair to wonder. Ad Coleman said, Who can they get with first rounders and 30 million? That's not a lot of money, seeing they will have so many open roster spots. Yeah, that's again, that's the challenge for them this offseason is if you do have 30 million. What are you going to get, and then how are you going to build out your roster after that? Maybe you get two or three players with that thirty million. Um, you trade for two or three guys, and then you go from there. But again, it, like if they had forty million, if they had fifty million, okay, now we're now we're talking, right? Now we're talking. Now you can really make some moves. But it's like they've got enough to be interesting, but I don't know if it's enough to get everything that you need, right? I don't know. I don't know if you get that. Uh, James Bell, since Westbrook joined his team, the front office have not put a three and D wing that will fit with this group of guys either. He's so incompetent or a deliberately bad GM. You know, we kept saying that Kyle Kuzma probably needed to be traded. And I kept saying, It was probably going to be best for Kuzma to spread his wings somewhere else. He wasn't going to get the opportunity to do that with the Lakers. And he echoed that sentiment recently. He said, yeah, like going away allowed me, allowed my game to develop, allowed me to show who I can really be. Um, It's true. He probably wasn't going to get that opportunity in LA. Now, maybe that's changed for the future. Maybe the Lakers will commit to AD just being a center and that'll provide more minutes for Kuzma on the floor. But uh, if they were able to reacquire him. But that being said, we always said you move Kuzma, but that was... Believing that they would replace him too, though, that they would replace that skill set, that they wouldn't just say, well, we move Kuz, but let's go get a bunch of guards and just not find wings at all on him. It's not easy to find wing players, but the Lakers just didn't do it. And it's two seasons in a row that they haven't found that skill set. Again, easier said than done. Everybody's looking for three and D wing players, but that's been the frustrating part is as James is mentioning here, they haven't put out a three and D wing on the floor that will compliment Russ, LeBron, AD. They, they haven't found that guy. Mikey, we keep saying when AD returns, but for how long? 10 to 20 games and he's out again? The history isn't good with him. He's damaged goods. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't know how long for sure he's going to be out. But you can say, you can question how long until his next injury, right? Because we've seen him get injured each season. And it happens on weird things. And Last year, it was landing on Rudy Gobert's foot. Uh, a guy fell into his knee. This year, it's he kicks Nikola Jokic's shin while in midair.
0: I, I that's
1: part of it. That's so baffling, right? I mean, he lands on Gobert's foot. It's like okay, it's a sprained ankle. We know all right. We know exactly what that is. I don't know what to make of this injury. Like, how do what what did he hurt exactly? And that's part of why so much is still up in the air and why we're we're still i mean darvin ham said last night that he expected some type of announcement today nothing's come yet we don't know we we really don't know what's going on just again what i'm hearing isn't positive it's not good but i've also yet to talk to anybody who says i know what the injury is i've heard i've heard some guesses and none of them are good I can say that William Scott, season-ending Lisfranc ligament injury. Maybe. That's possible. That's possible. But, again, I'm not a doctor. Don't even play one on TV. So I don't know. We're, we're waiting for that official announcement. But, again, all everything I've heard from people who might know, it's not been good. Uh, Mark, Russ, DJ two first for DeRozan vucic Beverly Nunn in a second. For Bojan, the first part of it, sure. The second part of it, the Pistons will not do that. They won't do that. They want a first. They want an unprotected first. They feel like they can get a protected first on February 9th at the trade deadline if they want. You have a better chance of seeing Tupac walking on Manhattan Beach than seeing AD play more than 35 games a season. More than 35? Didn't he play more than 35 games last season? He played 40-something? Like, I know it's hyperbole and all that, but still, um, yeah, 35 games. That's setting the bar extremely low there. Eddie Chase, no trade will get the Lakers a to the finals or a deep run, play out Russell's contract, uh, sign him to a veteran minimum next year. I don't know if he's taking a veteran minimum or if he even wants to come back to the Lakers. We don't know that for sure either. Still have 30 million and two first round picks to trade. Yeah, I mean, you would. You'd have his bird rights. In theory, you could keep Russell Westbrook if you allow him to play through his contract and become a free agent. But what's that going to cost? Does he want to stay? Like, number one, do you want him to stay? What's the price going to be? And then does he want to stay? It was a rough go for him last season too. I don't know if he feels like he wants to stay in LA. So I would say it's, it's less likely than than not that, or it's more likely than not that he's not a Laker next year, whether regardless of, of what happens, if he gets traded, obviously he wouldn't be, but even if they let his contract run out, there's, They would have his bird rights and they don't have a lot of guys they have bird rights on. So I understand the appeal, but I don't think it's a lock that if the Lakers call up Ross and say, hey, we're going to offer you a contract that he's just going to go cool. I'd love to stay. I think he's going to look around the league and see what he can find regardless. Uh, Joseph said, would you be willing to trade two first for OG and Trent if the Raptors decide to tear it down? That'd be interesting. That's two younger wing players that you could certainly use. Um, That's interesting. I don't I don't think the Raptors are gonna go that route, but I think you'd have to strongly consider it. Maddie James, love when players like Giannis Kobe, they never took nights off, even back to backs. I mean, Kobe rested a lot of games that final season, just to be, just to be fair. But if they could play, they were gonna play. Where's that mentality in the league right now? I mean, part of it though is we put so much emphasis on playoffs, right? How many players have had, but you never never won a ring held over their head? Right? we have seen it. If we're going to put so much emphasis on if you didn't win a championship, then it's not successful. It's not a good season. And you're you're clearly a fraudulent star. And we hear all of these things, all of these hot takes. Then we can understand why players would say, OK, well, if that's the case, then I'm going to make sure that I'm at 100 percent come playoff time. If that's all that really matters, if we're going to de-emphasize the regular season that way.
0: And then the flip
1: side is, well, what about the fans who paid to see these games? Is that, is this a lack of toughness? What, it, there's a lot of different ways that you can look at this, a lot that, that you can look at this situation. And I understand why players don't play as much today as they used to, but um, I also understand the fan frustration with that too. Suke said, if 80s injury was so bad, why would he travel with the team? Doesn't seem to be wearing a boot. Uh, and he was hopscotch dancing in the back after the injury. Yeah, it's, it that's the other thing that's just it's a mystery it's weird why why did he travel what is the injury exactly i mean look Dan, daniel starcan who covers the games you know in in house for the laker or for, for lakers nation he's in the arena i was talking with him and he said yeah i'm i was watching ad there's no boot on his foot he wasn't even walking with a limp that and that's part of why we're we're all getting so frustrated waiting to hear word on it. what exactly is going on and so far all we're getting back is, is silence. So we'll see mom mentality. I don't know what's the big deal about trading a pick for Bojan. I get the age, but it's exactly what we need a win now piece. It's not like we're giving up our whole future. We have 28, 29 seconds and seconds. Yeah. I understand that for me, it's more, you want to be careful with your future assets, especially for a 33 year old player. Um, cause he's, He's not going to be around. He's not going to be on the team when that pick comes due. So that's that's a challenge too, right? Let's say they're in a rebuild at that point and it winds up being the second overall pick or something. That's going to hurt to give that up and know that you've got a 33-year-old Bojan Bogdanovich for it. So that's why you need protections on, on a kind of first-round pick. Bojan's been playing great, and so I don't want to suggest that he's simply not worth a first-round pick. But unprotected is so dangerous if it was a younger, if he's 26 years old, sure, go ahead. Right. Because by that point, he's still on the team. He's still helping you, still helping you win games. But this, just doing an unprotected first and saying, well, we have a bunch of others, that uh, it doesn't, that's not going to feel great in the moment when the Lakers are giving up that pick. Right. If it winds up being a lottery pick or, or something like that. So you just got to be careful. Esham. So just off work, do you think the Lakers give Kuzma twenty to twenty-five million in, in free agency? They definitely could. They definitely could. Um, it wouldn't. It feels like there's buzz around kind of Kuz coming back to LA. Just it makes some sense. The only thing is, Kuzma has also made comments recently about how much he's loved not playing behind LeBron and AD. But if the Lakers went to him and said, "Hey, bring you back," and AD is going to be a center, which means you and LeBron are going to start, you're going to start together. Well. Maybe that changes things a little bit. All right. Ben, we're going to do, we'll do one more. You're the GM. What's your ideal specific move right now? A lot of it hinges upon Anthony Davis. I got to find out what the injury is. How long is he out? And then you go from there. If it's short term, if it's four weeks, okay, nothing really changes. Maybe your urgency changes a little bit where you'd like to get something done sooner, but your goals are still the same Add pieces to help you make a push this season. Um, trying to don't get fleeced in a deal. Don't get a team. Don't let a team hold desperation over you and say, Oh, well, you're desperate. So everything's going to cost you way more than anybody else. Don't let teams push you around like that. And you go out there and you try to get something done. If it's a two month injury, if it's a three month injury, if it's something like that, if it's the end of the season, if it's season under, right. if It's catastrophic. Then you got to be thinking, okay, we're not going to get in a minor piece here. And, And that's not pushing us over the top. We'd have to do something big. We'd have to start looking at Russell Westbrook trades again. We'd have to try to figure out a big move that's going to add a lot to our team. And then maybe we get AD back for the playoffs or something like that. Those are really the opportunities you should be looking at. Otherwise, if you're looking at a minor trade, it's got to be a minor trade that's going to help you next year. Can't be, hey, we're going to get a guy who's going to help us a lot this year. But after that, that's that's going to be it. That doesn't make any kind of sense. So it changes what you're looking for, depending on what AD is doing. And of course, the entire time you're canvassing the league and figuring out what your best options are. So all of those things come into play. All right, rough night tonight for the Lakers. Um, We knew it was going to be a tough one coming in, but nonetheless, definitely a difficult game. We'll see where they go from here. We're all still on pins and needles waiting for the Anthony Davis injury news, but eventually that's going to come out. And then some decisions are going to have to be made moving forward. And we'll see what Rob Plank in the front office can figure out. But Lakers Nation, I want to thank you guys for joining me for this show. Appreciate you for coming in. Oh, boy. Still, let's wait and see what tomorrow will bring us on the injury front. Until next time, everybody. See ya, And stay safe. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up.